you 
Praise the Lord. That's a great song, isn't it? All right. I just want, ladies, be ready possibly to do that Sunday night, okay? I mean, just in the back of your mind, be ready just in the event. So make sure you bring that music with you, all right? Great, thanks. I may have them sing that Sunday night. I just got a message just now, and so I want to possibly develop that and use that Sunday night. It's just, that's really a great message, isn't it? Powerful. All right. Uh, well, tonight we are blessed. And uh, boy, I tell you, I'll be honest with you. I was, um, I was at camp this week, and I got to hear some of those speakers. We had a couple speakers this week at camp, and I got to hear both of them. But I'm going to be frank with you. Uh, we got a couple good ones here at the church. <laughs> I, uh, you know, when you're up all night driving through the night, you talk a lot. And uh, I was telling Brother Josh, I said, listen, I think you and Brother Kavanaugh, uh, you guys could be preaching around the country at camps, based on what I'm hearing. I mean, we are blessed here. We are blessed. And tonight, uh, we have the opportunity to hear Brother Kavanaugh, and I'm really proud of him. He does a fabulous job. Him and Brother Josh both are just, uh, just uh, man, they're just off the charts, and we appreciate everything that they do for the Lord. And like I say, they either one of them could be pastoring churches this size anywhere in the country. And yet God's blessed us and been allow, allowed us to have them here. Let's not take our staff for granted here. Boy, we are blessed. And so, Brother Kavanaugh, you come, and uh, this will probably, he'll probably bomb tonight. But uh, <laughs> anyway, no, nah, he won't. I'm too <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Love you, preacher. Thank you. for me. Um, we have a handout tonight, and, and uh, it is definitely more of a, wow, I got the power. I got the, yeah, all right. And uh, it is definitely more of a teaching uh, lesson tonight, and, uh, and so uh, I want you to turn, if you would, to First Thessalonians. You'll see there's a handout there, and I've got a little PowerPoint I'm going to use this evening, and i uh, just uh, been thinking recently, and I spend uh, a few a few hours a week in discipleship, whether through preparation or through discipling people. And, and, uh, and I have the privilege of discipling a variety of people, some younger in Christ, some more mature. And, um, and one thing that's been impressed upon me recently was just the, the, the simple things that need reinforced all the time and just the basics. And I got to thinking about that. What's something that just needs to be reinforced constantly in our lives? And, and, and I, I came to this thought here about what does a church member look like? What, what should a church member be? What should they do? How should they conduct themselves? And so I came up with this checklist and it's not original. It's from the Bible. <laughs> and so um, the, the checklist for what a church member should be, becoming the church member that God wants me to be. And, uh, and so that's kind of the idea for this evening. You've got your checklist there. And uh, I printed it on that cardstock. I printed it in color just to give Pastor a heart attack to know that I did that. And uh, no, I wasn't expecting him to be here, so I thought I would get away with it. You know, the cat's away, the mice will play. You, you don't print in color around here, all right? It's just the, the, the scents are checking off. And, uh, and so, uh, but I'm busted. I mean, before the, that's why I'm going to bomb. I had sin in the camp. Yeah, he's here to witness, all right? So, um, we're going to look here in 1 Thessalonians and, and examine uh, these, these young Christians here. And that's what they were. They were young Christians. Um, the, the church at Thessalonica 
uh, is started in Acts chapter 17, 1 through 10. So if you, you can make a note of that if you want to go back and read that later. Acts 17, 1 through 10 is where the church begins in Thessalonica. And we know that right off the bat, they're faced with some pretty difficult times. We know that Paul is actually uh, escorted out of town. They take him by night undercover and escort him out of town. They come, um, the, the Pharisees, the, 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 Jew, the, uh, the, the religious leadership of the city there, they come and they take Jason, who obviously stood up and stepped up into leadership there at the church of Thessalonica, and they imprison him. And so th- that was just the beginning of the difficulties that Thessalonica was going to face. And, and through the first uh, four chapters here, Um, He's dealt with a variety of different issues all the way up to the end of chapter number four saying, hey, if you die, you're going to heaven. You know, we know that tribulation is getting tough for you, um, but hey, we can we can we can hold uh, steady and be firm in the fact that, hey, our our home is not in this world. It's it's in heaven and that's secured. It's not up to us. And so he was just encouraging the church um, as Paul is writing this letter letter from Athens to the church of Thessalonica. Um, And so we're going we're gonna to look here um, in chapter number 5, and we're going to, believe it or not, hopefully in the next 25 minutes, uh, cover all the verses of chapter 5, all right? And uh, we're going to have to do this quickly, and, uh, but we're going to look at two different topics, really, for how I can be the church member that I ought to be, the first one being my preparation, things that I can do before I'm actually assembled together, and then the things, practice, that I can do with other believers. Now, some of them you'll see are, I can do by myself still, but they, they involve my interactions with you and your interactions with me. How can I be the church member that I ought to be? What does being a church member look like? And, and I think on the surface, when you ask those type of questions, you might immediately say, well, it'd be going soul winning and, and, and being a Sunday school teacher. And, and yeah, all those things are part of using your gifts for God. No doubt about it. Using your talents for the Lord, giving back, sacrificing. But that's not really the, the, the core of what a church member is. There is responsibilities that you and I have that really come before any of those other things really come into play. And so what does a church member look like and am I that church member? I want you to think about this as we go through tonight. Don't put any check boxes there. I want you to think about when we get to the end of the message tonight, how many of these check boxes could I check off for this week. I've done this this week. I've been this church member this week. Some of these things you may not have to do weekly, but how many of them did you have the opportunity to do, to do and you did? All right? And so we're going to look here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse number 1 after a word of prayer. Father, we do thank you for this evening and our time together. Uh, Lord, as we consider this topic of what you want a church member to look like, may we be uh, submitted to your Holy Spirit's voice. May we be uh, uh, humbly willing to receive what you want for us this evening. Uh, Lord, I pray that at the outcome of this, even if we can't check all of the boxes, uh, Lord, per se, I pray that we would be willing to develop into what you want us to become. Lord, simple obedience is all you request of us. Lord, I pray that we would do so. Bless our time together in the reading, the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We're going to move uh, through the first set of verses here and uh, kind, of, kind of quickly. Uh, and in order to do so, I'm just going to read them and as we move, make some comments as we go. But we're going to start in verse number one. It says, But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. They were well aware of what they were facing, right? Lots of tribulation. 
And so these are, you know better than even I know how difficult it is to be the Christian you ought to be, the opposition that you're facing. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the, uh, the Lord um, so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction come upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Pastor knows what that is like. And uh, <laughs> he thought travail was happening last night as he drove through the night, and Brother Josh as well. And it came as a thief in the night. It stole their sleep. And uh, they didn't know what was going to take place there, but... Uh, he was telling and encouraging them, hey, we know that the, the coming of the Lord is imminent, is what he was saying to them. You know it through the experiences that you're having, and, 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 and it will come suddenly. Um, and so he continues on here, but ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. Amen? Yeah, if you are part of the light, if you are in the light, if you are in his son, you are in the light, then it's not going to take you as a thief in the night. You're going to be ready, you're going to be uh, prepared for that day because uh, you have accepted Christ as your savior. And so um, he's, he's rejoicing with them in that. Um, the, that day will not overtake you as a thief because you're born again believers. And so you're not vulnerable, you don't have to wonder if you're secured. Uh, it is a, a settled deal for you. The next verse here, ye are all children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Those that are still in darkness is this lost world, right? Yeah, it's the ones who are lost. They're, they're wandering. They're in darkness. They can't see. They're, they're, uh, they're blinded. And so uh, that's uh, those that are in darkness. But then he goes on to instruct them here. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Well, what, what's the challenge here then? He just told them that they're not of the night, right? They're not of darkness. So why are the, who are these others and why is he telling them not to sleep as them? Well, because there were a group of Christians who were asleep. They were not aware of their surroundings. They were not aware of what was taking place. They were uh, not watching. They were not prepared, not for salva- because of salvation. Let's read on. For they that sleep in the night and they that be uh, for they that sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for, an helmet of, uh, for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we sleep or whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Notice that right there in the middle area says, but let us who are of the day be sober. The previous verse, he says, there are others who are drunken. You see that there. They sleep, uh, for they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. He's referencing that other group of people there. There is the temptation for us as believers. We can never go back to darkness. But we can live our Christian life as though we were, are asleep or drunken. What, what are the symptoms of asleep or drunkard? Not aware, right? Uh, 
desensitized. Isn't that not what drunkenness does to a person? Desensitized, not, not, uh, not, not really thinking uh, clearly, distracted. They, they can't walk a straight line, right? Uh, because their mind can't focus on what's important at the time. And he's challenging them here. He's saying, hey, a- as the church, I want you to know that you, your salvation is settled. It's secured. You can't lose that. You're not going back to dark- darkness. But there is others And I don't want you to be like those type of Christians. I don't want you to be in sleep. I don't want you to be in that drunken state where you're not aware of what's going on. There is a battle, and he he reinforces this thought as he moves on to the breastplate and the helmet. There is a battle that is taking place, and and you need to be ready for that. Remember, I, I, I want to just go back and reinforce the idea that we started out with here, is that this is a young church. These believers haven't been around forever and ever and ever and ever. In a lot of ways, we may not say, oh, they're not mature. But here he's setting the tone for how they should conduct themselves as believers. I think if you read the passage, you'll find that we're in very similar times, or at least we may feel as though we're in similar times, although we're not nearly as bad as they are. Um, And so what do we learn here? First, the preparation, and that is be ready for spiritual warfare. If you're going to be the church member that you ought to be, you've got to be ready for spiritual warfare. Now, this is not to say that you've got to go around like, you know, sword, draw, sword drawn, like, ha, ah, I know it's po- going to pop out right around the corner, all right? But it's to be sober and to be vigilant for your adversary. The devil is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. You've got to be ready for spiritual warfare. You know, you and I, we are going to face battles, And if we're not focused on what's important, as he was admonishing them here, this world will entangle us. It will distract you. And and so I wonder this evening, are you ready for spiritual warfare? What does that mean? What does it mean to be ready for spiritual warfare? Well, it means that you have the whole armor of God on. That you could go over to Ephesians chapter 6 and you could go through the armor of God and you could say, yep, 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 check, 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 check. I am equipped. I have on the armor. I am ready for the battle that may come today. That requires a personal and intimate relationship with the Lord. You walking with God. I recall uh, one of uh, an illustration that Pastor used and I don't recall all the details. I remember it being very impactful to me at the time. And it's been quite some years ago that I heard it. But he was mentioning about one of his kids, um, I think it might have been Brother Josh, got injured. And he was praying about that and felt in that moment that it was like I couldn't get through to God. And I don't want to use, I'm trying to embarrass Pastor. I think we've probably all been there at some point where it's like we're trying to pray and, and we can't get through. You know what you and I need? if we're going to be the church members that we ought to be, you know what we've got to be? We've got to be ready for spiritual warfare at any moment. You know, what about Job? Consider Job. What about the things that he faced? What if he had not been walking with God? Now we say, well, then God wouldn't have let all that happen. Mm, I wouldn't be so sure. And so what if all that came and Job wasn't prepared for that? What would his response have been? What would your response be? What would my response be? We have got to be prepared. If, if we t- together are going to be the effective tool that God wants us to be, we have got to be prepared for spiritual warfare. It is coming your way. And there, the onslaught is just, it's intense. It's everywhere. If you can get throughout your day without any opposition, then my friend, you better check what side you're on. 
because the opposition is there. And we've got to be ready for it. And so this is something that you and I can do without anyone else's help. You can be ready for spiritual warfare without your pastor, as in the fact that you don't need him to hold your hand to walk with God. You can't be all you can be without your pastor, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but you can be personally right with the Lord, walking with him without anyone else holding your hand. And you need to walk with God. I need to walk with God. We can do all of this preparation Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday morning, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, before we're ever together, we can do this type of preparation. And he's encouraging the, the church family here, hey, to, be, to watch and to be sober. Be ready. Have that breastplate of faith and love on. Put on that helmet of salvation. Walk with confidence in, in the faith. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk in, uh, honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, right? Do we see the cross-referencing here? Not in rioting and drunkenness. Not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Romans chapter 13. We've got to be prepared. We've got to be ready for spiritual warfare. Did you armor up today? Could you put the check on this box? Are you ready for what might come your way? Will you prepare yourself tomorrow morning? We need to be ready for these things. There are attacks that are going to constantly come, and it's not a matter of if they'll come. These attacks will come, and they will be perfectly aimed. Let's make sure that we are ready. Be sober. Romans, uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, 8 through 10. Be sober, be vigilant. We know that this is, this is the attack that's going to constantly be coming our way. So, let's make sure that we are ready for the attack that's going to come. In verse number 11, I, I'm, I'm skipping through some verses here for sake of time. Verse number 11, it says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as ye also do. So as you fight this battle, and as you prepare for spiritual warfare, edify one another in this task too. Come alongside one another and let's say, okay, are we ready? Are, are we, you know, like that mighty Roman army, you know, shields locked, shield wall, you know, all together we're marching as one and, and just that, that mental picture. Edify one another in this area here. Let's encourage one another to the battle that will be at hand. Be ready for spiritual warfare. Check, am I that kind of church member? As we move on here, we'll look at verse number 12. And verse number 13, it says, And we beseech ye, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you and esteem, to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and be at peace among yourselves. I don't believe that there's any coincidences or accidents in the word of God. He tells the church, hey, be ready for spiritual warfare. And I just mentioned a moment ago about you not needing your pastor to, be the, to have a walk with God. You don't need him to hold your hand. But you do need your pastor. Church family, you cannot be the church member you're supposed to be without your pastor, without a pastor. Maybe you're not a member of a church. You need to get involved and get plugged into a church and have a pastor that you submit to for accountability. He watches for your soul. Hey, make it so he can do it with joy and not with grief. But we need, we need our pastors. And, and I just want to point out a couple simple words there. To know them which labor among you. And that's the, the idea here in preparation for being the church member that I ought to be. I need to know and highly esteem my pastor. Know and highly esteem. What is it to know? 
Well, it's to know what, he's, what, what effort he is putting in. It's to be on the same page with him. It's to understand the vision that the Lord has given him and to say, you know what, Pastor, I'm right on board with you. I know what direction you're going because I'm here and I hear the vision presented from the pulpit. There should be no special meetings required to know where Pastor's going. Shouldn't have to fill you in at a fellowship. He shouldn't have to come to your house to let you know. He shouldn't have to send out bulletins or little reminders you know, through social media. You should know what's going on in your church because you know your pastor and you know his heart. And you know what the Lord has laid on his heart. And you pray for him. And because you pray for him, you trust the Lord to guide him and for him to follow God's word. And you know the direction he is going. You don't just know him today, you know his past. That's what the Bible says. We consider we consider the, the, the life. We consider the testimony of those that lead us spiritually. And the, the instruction here, if I'm going to be the church member I should be, I should know my pastor. And, and it should be all the way down to even, in, in my way, in you, in, to my way of thinking, man, even just an inside joke like the Oreos the other day. That's an inside joke. Some of you may know, some of you may not know. But you know what? If you were here, you would know. And you say, well, do we really need to know about his Oreos? No, you don't need to know about his Oreos. All right? But you do need to know. You need to be here so consistently that you're on board with things. And you got the picture. You see the big picture. You know what happens to a church that becomes disconjointed? Is that people don't know. People are over here and people are over here and people are over there and barely making it into services and we don't know. You know, it can be a problem for even those who serve in the church and they get so involved in things that they're never in here for announcements. They're never in here for a, a service. They don't ever hear the vision. And that's something we guard against as staff members to make sure that people aren't out of services because in order to be the church member you ought to be, you need to know your pastor. You need to know that what the Lord has laid on his heart and be able to follow along with him. Man, I'm excited. The Lord laid something on his heart sitting right there tonight. You know what? And I know that because I was here tonight and now I'm looking forward to Sunday night, whether it comes to be or not. I'm excited about it because I know that. And I know the Lord just directed him and, and, and I pray for that and that's an amazing thing for me. And so now you know what I can do? I can teach my children about what direction the pastor's going. And I can teach them to esteem him highly. To say, you know what? Look at our pastor. Look at the example he's setting for us. These are important things. If you and I are going to be the church members, now, I, I want to be very clear and just very, very direct. I'm not teaching that he is infallible. I'm not teaching that he, he, won't, he can't fall or couldn't fall, make a mistake or go wrong. That's not what I'm teaching. I'm just reinforcing a biblical principle here that Paul was reinforcing to the church that was going through difficult times. He's trying to instruct them to be the church members they should be. Know those that labor among you. Know what they're doing for the cause of Christ. Know how you can come alongside them. You know what should never happen? A pastor should never be discouraged out of the ministry because of the church family. Should never happen. And I don't believe that pastor would say that he's discouraged by you at all. These are things I'm saying, let's make sure that we're doing, that we're reinforcing. And, and I know from my own experience, just being on staff here to see the support and the love that you give the pastor, I think we could all do better and I think we could support better. But it should never be anything where we say, hey, pastor's like, man, I'm just so discouraged. Nobody is with me. I feel like a voice crying in the wilderness. And that's what to esteem them very highly for their work's sake. His ministry is so important. Arguably one of the greatest roles a man plays in this world. Biblical perspective. 
And we need to come alongside and say, hey, the Lord's directing, let's go. Let's accomplish, let's get this done for the cause of Christ. Let's work together. Pastor, I see it with you. Let's go do it. You know, and, and hey, pastor's got a vision, let's start a church. Brother Rob gets on board. Yeah, I see the vision, let's go do it. The church family says, okay, well, how much do we need? Where's the time? When are we going to be there? Oh, we're knocking doors, okay. Yeah, we're handing out flyers, all right, let's do it. Because we know, we see. And if you and I are going to be the church that we ought to be, we need to know and esteem the leadership that God has placed over us. Your pastor is a gift, and he gave some, Right? pastor is a gift to you and utilize that gift and so these are the things you know what happens too often we can get we can get upset at pastor he said it too loud he said it too long he said it a way i didn't like it <laughs> I'm, I'm itching for the long thing tonight he said it a way i don't like it and then all of a sudden we don't want to hear and we don't want to know and pretty soon we're not even around to hear it anymore. Come on, amen. We develop an attitude that's not Christ-like. It's not because he did something wrong. It's not because it was unbiblical. It's because our hearts are wrong. And man, what a, what a hurt to the cause of Christ that is. And that's why we esteem him highly for his work's sake. We don't want to hinder the cause of Christ. You want to hinder the cause of Christ? Do you want to be something that's holding back Community Baptist Temple? Well, if we're not following the leadership the way God wants us to, we will. We could be a hindrance. And so let's be on guard. Let's make sure we can check this box. You know what? I'm ready. I'm excited. I'm on board. I can't wait for Sunday. I'm ready to hear what he has, uh, what the Lord's laid on his heart. I know that's what I need. I've been praying for that. Let's know and highly esteem our leadership, our pastor. As we continue on here, there's these basic practices that come into play. And uh, there, there's a whole list of these here, and, and, uh, and we are really not going to be able to do justice to this. Let me just give these things to you quickly, so that way you can uh, have the blanks filled in, and, and you can reflect on some of these things. They're really not complicated. If you would look with me in verse number 12, he says, he says and we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and to be at peace among yourselves. Verse number 14. Now, okay, so first when he's talking about the pastor there, he says, we beseech you. And now he's going to exhort. Let me encourage you in some areas that you can be the type of brother that you ought to be. Now we exhort you, brethren. How can you be the brother that you should be in Christ? First of all, warn them that are unruly. Oh, no, this is the pastor's job. He's got to correct the problems. Hmm. Really? You know, you and I should be so on board with what's going on and we should know the heart of our pastor and we should know the word of God that we can warn those that are unruly. Do you know what unruly, where that term comes from? It's actually a military word. A military word that denotes somebody who wants to serve in the military as in receiving all the benefits but doesn't want to follow along with the infrastructure. That's what an unruly soldier, that's where it came from, an unruly soldier. Somebody who says, yeah, I'd like to get my meals every day, three hots in a cot. That sounds like prison, but that used to be what army, the army used to be. And, uh, and so you get your meals and your bed. He's like, I want to receive all the benefits, but I don't want to have to obey any instruction. 
You know, as, as church members, if you and I are going to be the church member that we ought to be, and if collectively we're going to be the church we ought to be, we've got to be willing to warn those that are unruly in the church. And this is not a thing of condemnation. This is a warning as in, hey, you know, hey, danger ahead. Danger ahead. The kind of warning I would give to a child with a hot stove. Not a, not a rebuke, not harshness, not hatred, not bitterness, not something where I'm like, I'm going to show you you're so wrong. Hey, if you'll come this way, it's so much better. If you'll get on board, if, you, if we'll work together, we can accomplish so much more for the cause of Christ. We know the, the scripture is so clearly outlined that iron sharpeneth iron. And are we encouraging one another? You know, the, it's very clear in Second in Timothy that you and I are soldiers. We're soldiers. So it's not uncanny that the Bible instructs us that we shouldn't be unruly. That we should be following the direction that's laid out for us from God's Word. We should be obedient to that. And if a brother in Christ notices that you're not doing what the Bible clearly instructs, and they come alongside and say, you know what, hey, I'm sure missed you on Sunday night. It was a great message Pastor preached. I want to encourage you, be, come on next Sunday night, come sit with me. That's the kind of warning I'm talking about. We know that we need to be in church. We know that that's clearly outlined. Let's warn the unruly. And you know what that means? That I've got to be ready to receive a warning. Because there's not a single one of us that are perfect in this room. And so I'm going to have to be warned, and you're going to have to be warned. But when's the last time that you've had that kind of spiritual conversation in love with a brother in Christ? Can you check the box? You know, it doesn't take much to be an encouragement. It's just a little word here and there. And that's what the warning is here. You know, the, when it comes to the unruly, un, that word unruly, the Bible equates unruly to a, an object, and that is our tongue. Just a little thing. But the tongue is unruly, the Bible says. And you know what? you and I can become unruly. It may seem like a little thing, not a big deal. You know how it is sometimes where you just let a word slip or you let something come out that you didn't intend. Maybe it was a harsh tone or whatever it was, but it just happened. Hey, expect that that's going to happen in your Christian life, but we should expect one another to be around each other where we can come up and say, hey, brother, did you really need to get angry like that? And just an encouragement. Let's encourage one another to warn them that are unruly. The second practice here is comfort the feeble-minded. Comfort the feeble-minded. Man, what a simple truth as we continue through the, the, our passage here. Comfort the feeble-minded. You know what? There are people who are going through things you have no idea. That means that you can't check this box. Because you should know. You don't have to know everyone's business. And if they're not telling anyone, it's not your job to go prying under rocks. But if you've got a concern or a burden or something in your life, hey, you ought to be sharing that one with another and let each other comfort one another. It's hard to open up. It's hard to let each other know that we're having problems. It's hard to let each other know that we're grieving. It's hard to let each other know we're discouraged or depressed. We think there's all kinds of bad connotations that come along with that stuff. Oh, they're going to view me like I'm a weak Christian. They're gonna... That's all your pride. And we've got to put that aside because you and I need each other. And the church would be a whole lot stronger if we would come alongside each other and comfort the feeble-minded. There are people who are going through things. Now, let me be clear to note here that it shouldn't be your life of feeble-mindedness. 
It shouldn't be all it is all the time, seven days a week. There should be strength in your life, and that should come from a relationship with the Lord. But sometimes there are those valleys. Sometimes there's those lost loved ones. Sometimes there's things going on with your health. And you know what? We need someone to come alongside to be the church member that you ought to be and bring comfort one to another. A word fitly spoken, right? It just it, it breeds, brings life. In the, in the tongue is, is death and life. We need to comfort the feeble-minded. We'll just move through these. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. We need to support the weak. It's in that same category there. Comfort the feeble-minded. Support the weak. Be patient to all men. Be patient to all. You know, this is the kind of thing where, you know, sometimes we have expectations of others we're not willing to have of ourselves. And we want to drive other people to certain positions and say, you've got to do this, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. You know, we need patience one with another. You know, you look at the world and we see the sin and the horrible position that they're in, and you know, we say, oh man, they just don't have, they have no hope. And we'll have more patience with lost people than we will with each other. We've got to extend grace one to another. If we're going to be the church members that we ought to be, we need to be gracious to each other. We need to look at one another and say, you know what, hey man, the Lord's brought me through. I've been there, and we need to be patient. That doesn't mean we just... Let people go off the deep end. Remember, we're warning the unruly, but hey, they may not respond. And you know what? Hey, the Lord's going to work on them the way the Lord needs to work on them. I'm going to be the Christian that I ought to be. I'm going to be the church member I should be, regardless of their response. I'm not going to let their response dictate my emotions. I'm going to be patient. I'm going to be the patient teacher. I'm going to be edifying. I'm going to be encouraging. And it may not be the response I want. Think about Job again. And we think about all of his friends and how they reacted to him. Man, we've got to be patient one with another. Can you check that box? Is there someone in the church that just drives you nuts? It shouldn't be. You say, oh, we just don't, we just don't, we don't mix. Really, you think that God puts a body together that doesn't mix? Does that, do you really believe that, that with the illustrations God uses about the body, do you think that he puts us together because we won't fit together? So if you're not fitting and God has brought you here, then your patience is, is a problem. Can you check the box? Am I the patient Christian I ought to be? No bitterness. No bitterness. And we exhort you, brother, uh, let's see, verse number 14, see that, that none render evil for evil unto any man, but ever follow that which is good, both among yourselves and to all men. Man, it is so easy to get hurt by somebody and want to hurt right back. He's saying, hey, no, follow that which is good. Don't let bitterness creep in. Do you have an anger towards somebody? Do you have an attitude? You can't be the church member you ought to be if you've got bitterness. If, you, if you've got an attitude towards someone, if you would rather see them hurt than them succeed, goes to show, maybe somebody's not the Christian that you think they ought to be, and you say, well, I could have seen that was coming. Right? Just that attitude, and, and I'm not talking about, you know, we know what's right and wrong, we know there's consequences for that. I'm talking about an attitude of rendering evil for evil. You, you feel that you have a right to be treated a certain way, you weren't treated to the point of your expectation being met, and so now you're going to render evil back. What do you think that does to the church? How, how do you think we can function in unity then? Can I be the member that I should be? No, I can't be. 
if I've got that bitterness there. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice evermore. Hey, you know what? There ought to be joy. It ought to be a bubble of just laughter and excitement and thrilling times every time we walk into the house of God. It shouldn't be a drudgery. It shouldn't be a drag. It shouldn't be like, oh, great. What are we, what's it going to be tonight? You know, I hope it doesn't go too long. Brother Kavanaugh's already six minutes past when we would normally be done. Right? This is perfect timing for this point. All right? Rejoice evermore. Rejoice. All right? Just be happy about it. And if you're not laughing right now, you're not the church member you should be. I'm warning you as unruly members, get it right. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Oh, my. Okay, you can all correct me about that later on. But we ought to have joy, you know what, evermore. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And, and that ought to be what sustains us. That ought to be what carries us through. It shouldn't be doom and gloom. Hey, every time you come into the house of the Lord, it shouldn't be, oh, woe is me, this is what happened this week, it's so bad. No, come on, something's off. Something, that's not how it should be. And I'm telling you, it's not. He's rejoice evermore. He's talking to a church that's being persecuted unto death. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Constant, consistent in prayer. Hey, Brother Mike, going to have this thing on Monday. We don't know what that looks like. That affects Brother Mike. That affects Miss Darlene. That affects their little granddaughter, Graceland, sitting right between them. That affects Brother Josh. That affects all of his kids. That affects you and I. We don't know what's going to happen there. Hey, pray without ceasing. Funeral on Friday night. We don't know what the Lord's will is in that for pastor and the message is going to be delivered for John and for the family that's involved there. We don't know what that's... Pray ever, hey, pray without ceasing. We need to be lifting one another up in prayer. We need to be faithful in doing so. Can you check that box? Are you praying without ceasing? As we continue on here, give thanks. Give thanks. Hey, we need to be a thankful church. Always giving thanks, giving thanks. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Quench not the Spirit. Hey, you know what? The Lord has given you talents. He's given you gifts. If you're not using those, you know what you're doing? You're quenching the Spirit of God. Can I repeat that again? The Lord has given you talents and gifts. If you're not using them in some way in the church, you're quenching the Spirit of God. You're not the church member that you should be. And so I'm not benefiting from you, and if that's my attitude, you're not benefiting from me, and we're not fitly joined together the way that we ought to be. Don't quench the Spirit of God. Despise not prophesying. Love preaching. Love preaching. Hey, you know what? Preaching is a proclamation. It's a proclamation. Hey, in the Bible, it describes preaching as from the rooftops. Right? It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a passive thing. It's not something where somebody gets up and says, oh, I really think you should consider this. Okay? It's not what preaching is. It's true. It's fervent. It's passionate. It's uncompromising. Love it. The moment you don't love preaching, I'm telling you, you're headed for a hurt. You are going to go right into compromise. You're not even going to know what's happening. And so you've got to love preaching. Despise not prophesying. Prove all things. Don't take a single thing that is taught from this pulpit or any podium in this church at face value. Prove it. Take every single truth that you hear and get in the word of God and know it to be true because you studied it out. When's the last time you restudied something pastor taught on Sunday? When's the last time you checked your Sunday school teacher on what he said? 
When did you reinforce that from God's word? Prove those things. You know why you should prove all those things? So that you can hold fast to that which is good. Because if you never proved it for yourself, you will never hold fast to it, and it'll be gone as quick as it came. And that's why people constantly change what they believe, because they never proved it, it never became theirs, and they can't hold fast to something they never proved. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Oh, my. Not just evil, the appearance of it. You know, it used to be a thing back in the day. The preacher would get up and say, hey, you ought to avoid a movie theater. Right? You ought to avoid the movie theater. Know why you should avoid the movie theater? Because there is all kinds of filth. Most of us won't even have television in our homes because of that. But we'll go in there and we'll say, oh, I, I, yeah, that's fine. Would you go into a liquor store to buy a soda? Oh, I just, that's where I buy my Dr. Peppers. Why? Because you come walking out with a paper bag and a bottle in it. What is that? It looks like you did something you shouldn't have done. Should I really be concerned about that? If you want to be the church member, you should be. Are there things that you're involved in that look like they could be evil? Are there things that you participate in that looks like it has a connotation of wrong? You say, well, that's pretty much everything. I can't even go anywhere. Hey, you've got to evaluate. If you say, oh, okay, I can't go to the gas station because they sell alcohol, you need your head checked, right? <laughs> There's no appearance of evil going to the fuel station. But where it's been common practice that evil things take place in those locations and you continue to go back there, you've you got to be weary of that. Avoid the appearance of evil. Remember, these are your instructions, basic instructions, very simple instructions given to a young church. Finally, he closes it out here as we continue. Um, abstain from all appearance of God, uh, evil. Verse number 23, and the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. You know what, before we even move to the next point, can I just emphasize this verse? And I, I, I'm sorry, I, I got to get through this. The very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You and I are tripartite. There's three of us, body, soul, spirit. You want to be the whole package as a Christian? You got to follow these things. You can be redeemed, and your spirit is saved, settled, secured, done. But if you want body, soul, and spirit all to be on board for what God wants you to be, you've got to be the church member that you should be. And that means following these basic instructions. Verse number 25, or verse number 24, I can't skip this. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Hey, obedience to these things is going to be fulfilled by you following God and he'll fulfill it in you. You're submitted to the spirit and he will empower you. You can't perform these things on your own and I'm not advocating that you just start working to check these boxes off. Oh, look at it, I did it, I checked all the boxes. No, you be submitted and obedient to the Holy Spirit. He will fulfill his working in and through you for you to be the church member that you should be. Verse number 25, brethren, pray for us. He talks about prayer twice in here and I think that that's something we should take note of. Pray for us, pray for each other. The way you pray for pastor, I hope you have a list of people you pray for move through them on a weekly basis, pray for one another. We need to pray one for another. As we get to the end of this thing here, he says in verse number 27, I charge you by the Lord that this epistle be read unto all the holy brethren. This was an instruction that was to be given, not just to the Thessalonians, but to all the holy brethren. Hey, wherever you come across another believer, I want you to read this instruction, this list, this set of instructions to them. I want them to know this. And the last blanks you see there, remind yourselves of this checklist. 
And that's why it's on cardstock and in color. Not just because the pastor was away. But so that you can have something that endures, all right? And that you can look at this thing and say, hey, you know what? I got it in my Bible. I'm going to make sure that I'm the, the, the church member that I ought to be. I believe these are very basic, simple instructions for us to follow. And if we'll do this, our church will just move to the next level. It'll just move, it'll just up from here. And praise the Lord for that. Would you go ahead and stand with me this evening? Father, we do thank you for tonight. We thank you for the time and your word. Lord, we thank you for, I thank you for the patience and uh, the seeming attention, any way of the church family, Lord, willing to receive what you had. Uh, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, bless us as we leave this evening. And uh, Lord, I pray that we all would be the church members we ought to be. If the Lord spoke to your heart this evening, we'll t we will just take a few moments. And as the piano pl uh, plays there, if the Lord spoke to you about something, you take a few moments. You can pray right there in your seat. But let's just all, if nothing else, let's just all surrender to the idea of, you know what, I'm going to make sure that I'm the church member that I ought to be. That I can check this off the way that uh, we see it here. That I can check these boxes. Not just to say I've done another thing, but to, to truly be uh, submitted to what God wants for you and I as a church family. Hey, I believe the greatest days are ahead. We hear it all the time. Yes, the opposition is going to be strong. It's going to be there. Not any greater than it was for the Thessalonians. I mean, <laughs> they were being persecuted unto death, church family. Persecuted unto death. You and I, we, we need to be the church members. You, we need each other to be the church members we ought to be. Make sure that you are walking with the Lord. Those first two preparatory checklist items. Make sure that you are ready for spiritual warfare. Make sure that you are ready to receive from the pulpit. Ready to follow the leadership. And then from there, we can move forward to greater things. Man, the Lord's been working. We've seen tremendous fruit for our labor. Excited about men going out from the ministry to go work in the mission field and starting churches. But bigger things. God wants more from us. I know he does. And I know he can do greater things with us. Let's be the church members, the church family that we ought to be.